I really believe there's a lot of things in life worth waiting for. I, I don't know about you, but uh, uh, certainly some of you have come here and you've been able to purchase and live in your dream home, and you thought, boy, we never would have been able to do that. You find the dream home is not a perfect home because it takes maintaining. Um, some of you have also uh, uh, said, you know, I, I've been wanting this fantasy car, my dream car, or, or some other possession, and you've waited a long time, you've saved up for it, and you've finally been able to, to buy it, and yet it takes maintaining, and it breaks down because it's just like everything else man-made. It has a shorter span than, than eternity. Um, I think I would say I'm most grateful that I waited for my life partner long enough not to make the big mistakes I made younger, okay? And, uh, and I think those girls would probably say, you, you thought you made a mistake. Uh, so, um, you know, there are many things in life worth waiting for. We're using this series to talk about, as our model, Abram, who waited most of his life to receive what God had promised him. And they were great promises, you know, you're, you're going to have a great nation. You're, you're, you're going to be blessed by me. Your enemies won't overcome you. There were all these promises made to him. And it came to him because as God's friend, he listened to God. He felt very free to talk to God. But then he had this waiting period. And the issue was, was it worth waiting? Almost to the end of his life, you might say. Was it worth waiting for? Because he had a long period where he had to believe God would do this for him, even though it hadn't yet shown up in, in any possible way. As we're tracing the life of Abram in Genesis 12 to about verse, uh, to, to chapter 25, we're looking at him making this big uh, uh, un, you know, move that very few people would make at the time of leaving the Fertile Crescent in, in Iraq, where we now call Basra, and going where the Tigris and Euphrates almost come together, and going up that fertile crescent all the way to Turkey, uh, and and the border of Syria and Turkey called the land of Haran at that time, and then down into Palestine, where God had called him to go. And he makes that just believing that that's what God wanted him to do. At the time that he gets there, that area we call Palestine, here are the promises that he is waiting on. You find him in that first section of Genesis chapter 12. I will make you, God says, into a great nation. He's not a great nation now. And I will bless you. You might say he's in some ways blessed now. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I'm just not going to bless you, but you're going to be a blessing to many others. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth. Not just you and your family, but every ethnic group will be blessed through you. So Abram hears this, and he hears that, you know, even people that he does not know exist will be blessed through him. I mean, that's awesome. And uh, here's the other part. The people who are going to be blessed will be blessed by a God that they do not know exists. They know nothing about him. They've been worshiping false gods all these times. So because of this, it says Abram heard God. He listened to him. He, he continues to pray to God. But at this time, he believes God. He believes what God says in terms of God's purposes for him and God's promises for him, even though 
in all the current circumstances, it seems outrageous, unbelievable. He continues to believe. So uh, sometime later, perhaps two, three, four, even five years later, Abram is at this place. We, he calls it an altar. It's a place where he listens to God. It's a place where he gives his gifts to God. It's a, gift, uh, a place where he talks to God. Um, it, it's called an altar. And, and as he is there at one time, God comes again. And this is Genesis chapter 15. And, and God comes and he says, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. By shield, he means I'm the one who's protecting you in this foreign land. And your reward, meaning all the promises I've given you, they're going to be coming from me. And as they come from me, you'll know that they are mine to give to you. So he looks at God and says, you know, you know here I am. I, I've left the country that I know. And I've gone everywhere where God says. When I left... I had um, a wife, but no children, uh, a, a nephew and his family, some servants, and tons of sheep. Oh, just tons of sheep. And I had to make that entire journey with tons of sheep. And, and we finally get here. And now that we're here, I'm older. I'm maybe a little wiser. I'm certainly richer. I've got even tons and tons and tons of sheep. I have more servants, I have Lot, I have Lot's family, and I have Sarah, but I still have no heir. Everything that I've earned is going to go to my servant because of the the laws of the time or the the culture of the time. So he's saying, uh, Lord, why am I working so hard? Why do I have to put in so much effort if it's going to go to Eleazar rather than to my son? And God makes this promise again. This man, your servant, will not be your heir, in verse 4. But a son coming from your own body will be your heir. So he hears it again in a different way. And what do you do? Well, we say that believing God means agreeing with his purposes and his promise. But but also it means you're believing that it will happen even though... You know, that what God has said will happen, His promises will come true, and you continue to live as if it is in the process of happening. So, believing God means you are accepting God's promises without seeing them fulfilled. The end of the promise, then, Abram is faced with this life shaping decision Can I trust God's purposes and promises to me? And let's be honest. Abram's just like us. We hear of how God makes promises to his children. Uh, he makes promises to, uh, to Israel. Jesus makes promises to his followers. And we're asked the same question. Do we believe what's been said? Or do we get distracted? I, I have to admit that if, if I had to wait as long as Abram waited, I would have a few doubts. In fact, if I was given the promises Abram was given, I would have a few doubts because there's not much evidence there. And then to wait as long as Abram waits and still see nothing seem to happen, wow. And and here's the difference we're talking about. We're, We're talking about the difference between believing in God, that's sort of an intellectual assent to the fact that God exists, that there is something beyond this, this, this material world, or believing God, not in God. 95 to 100% of people in this country believe in a God. 
But we're talking about, do you believe God? We have all the evidence we need to believe in God, both external and internal. But believing God is another issue. As an example, God tells his people, Israel, that he will never leave nor forsake them. But he never says you will never have trouble. So sometimes in trouble, we believe God has left us or forsaken us. He says, no, that's not the issue. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, Here's another one. Um, God tells his people that they will be a blessed nation. But as we know even today, uh, Israel, all the neighboring nations around them hate, hate them. It's sort of hard to be all alone there in the Middle East, you know. But they are a blessed nation. And Jesus says the same with his followers. He tells his followers they'll be filled with the Spirit so they can speak with boldness and with accuracy about who Jesus is and his love for all humanity. Yet, he also says you're going to be, you know, when you're filled with the Spirit, you're going to be in trouble a lot. You're going to be mocked. You're going to be persecuted. Many of you will be executed like the one that you follow. Jesus also tells his followers that he's going to return so that they can be with him. And we are waiting for his return. And we're waiting now, approaching 2,000 years. But in the meantime, with that promise, the way we live fulfilling the promise is we occupy and we expand his kingdom until he comes. As this promise is made to Abraham, uh, this is a very important point. It appears that the language in the Hebrew is saying to the reader, this is not necessarily the only time that Abram believed what God had told him. But it seems to be the next time. And there will be other times when God speaks. And will he live accordingly? God's friend listens to God. And as he listens, the whole course of life changes. God's friend talks to God and has the ability to honestly share our doubts, our troubles, our, our lack of evidence. And, and God's friends then are faced with this issue. Do you believe God? Do you believe him? Did you believe him before? Do you believe him now? Will you believe him again in the future? Abram is called God's friend, not because he trusts God this time, but he trusts God, and I'm going to say this very carefully, most of the time. He's an honest guy. He makes some big mistakes. Things that I think, you know, it, when it came time for him to appear before God, he goes, oh, how did I do that? Why did I do that? And yet when he hears the voice of God, he accepts it. Um, and, and an offer is made by God that only God can make. It's sort of like, you know... Um, uh, if somebody gets the Medal of Honor for serving in the military, for outstanding bravery, it's called the Congressional Medal of Honor. It's voted on by Congress. Only Congress can give it. Coming up soon will be the Academy Awards. It's the uh, Motion Picture Academy of Arts and Science. And they give out an Oscar. And I've never been asked if I could choose my favorite film and give an Oscar or my favorite actor. It's the academy that gives it. What does Abram get? 
What does Abram get? He gets something from God that he could never get by himself. He gets something from God that no one else could ever give him. He gets something from God that's just a transaction between God and Abram. It is something that happens this once, but it's something that marks his entire life and his eternity. So when believing God means you accept without seeing, it says Abram believed the Lord. What God said, he believed. And what God said, he tried to live accordingly. Not perfectly, but accordingly. But now this is what he's told in the, in what we are told in the second half of verse 6. Genesis 15, 6b. And it says, And he, God, credited to him as righteousness. Understanding that believing God is all you need for righteousness. And we'll explain that in just a bit. The reward that God gives to Abram is righteousness. You might say, do I need it? Well, like the Oscars, he's the only one that can give it. We believe that for the Oscars, otherwise it's a fraud. We believe it because God himself is righteous and no one else, nothing else is. So it is his trust in what God says, no matter what the evidence, that God rewards. And because Abram trusts God's word to him and not the circumstances around him, God gives him like this stamp, the stamp, the stamp of righteousness. Righteousness means that in a way he is like God and all of his sins are forgiven. That means God looks at him who has been forgiven and therefore is a person without sin. Without sin basically means righteous. And God credited to him as righteous. Now, again, does Abraham live a righteous life? No, he blows it a lot. It's the fact that God declared him as righteous. Now and for eternity, I see you as a righteous person who you haven't earned my friendship, but it's been given to you. Let's take a modern setting here to try and explain this. What it means to be one who is trusting God or believing God, not in God, but believing God, and something is given to you as a a response from God. Um, I have in my hands here a uh, modern setting of a credit card. Now, um, before I was old enough to own a credit card, and believe me, way back in the 70s and 80s, it was tough to get. Now I get 20 cents a week, okay? Uh, and all I have to do is open the account. I can't go to any stores without them. Would you like to open an account with us? We'll give you your own credit card. Oh, wow. But back in the olden days, okay, uh, there was a credit card. And just like we have now, the number and the name are raised. It's sort of an imprinted thing, okay? They're raised if you feel it. Nothing else is raised, just that. Visa, United, Mileage Plus, Chase, none of that is raised. The number and the name. And so when I was working at a place, uh, someone said I'd like to charge it. I took that card. I laid it on the imprinter. I put a triple uh, piece of paper on top, uh, two receipts and carbon copy, okay? 
And then I took, I played it down, I placed it down, put the paper on top, and I went, rick, rick. Right? Remember that? Rick, rick. Rick, rick. And sometimes it didn't take, and you took it out, and you ripped it up, and you, you had to rip it up in their presence, and you put it down, and you're trying to rick, 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 rick. And then when it was all over, I mean, isn't that a great sense of power? You get to do that. Rick, rick. And if you don't like the person, you can go, and they're watching you, right? When it's all over, I'm in charge of the situation, see? I'm in charge. I finish the second rick. I pick up the paper. I rip one off. Give it to him. No, actually, I keep that one. Take off the carbon. I realize some of you are saying, no, they had self-carbon. Not in the beginning, okay? <laughs> Take off the carbon and give him the carbon copy. Oh, yeah, and then his card. He wants that back, too. And then the whole, uh, you might say, transaction has completely has been completed. Well... <laughs> Now, you know, we have uh, uh, magnetic strips and computer chips, but that was the way we used to do it. And I remember, therefore, when, when I um, uh, would finally get my carbon, they'd grant me one, how often I would use it and just wait for that person to give me back the card so I could walk out. Well, giving the card back to the customer was the way of saying this transaction is completed. Now, then once a month... You get in the mail a statement with your name on it, and uh, that statement would have printed all the things that you had used that card for in the last 25 to 30 days. And <clears throat> the idea was that you would open this statement, and after you regain consciousness, you would uh, write a check for the whole amount, the whole amount, or you would be paying interest and more than that, if you didn't pay it by a certain date, you'd be paying penalties. So I want you to know I'm so frugal. I would go without food rather than not pay this off right away. I mean, I, I hate debt, but I would take this and I would, uh, <clears throat> and I would open it. Now, that'd be the check that I write. I send it right away, and, and I want to make sure I got it in by the, uh, the so-called closing date. Now, here's a question, because I... I, I always thought maybe I could do this. If, as I was driving to work, I saw a beggar on the street corner with a sign saying, you know, anything helps, and I rolled down my window and I took out $5, and, no, back then, $2, and gave it to the beggar, could I call my phone company, I mean my credit card company, and say, could you take $5 off my bill, please, because I just did this good deed? And the, you know, they'd laugh, wouldn't they? No, no, no. That has nothing to do with it. Okay, well, I helped my neighbor mow his lawn. I, I charged three fifty an hour. Therefore, I, I, it took me two hours, so I'd like $7 off my credit card statement. doesn't work that way. I helped an old lady across the street. That should be worth at least 20 doesn't work that way either. I tithe. Ten percent. Who cares, says the credit card company. I gave to United Way. Great. Give more. But pay us back. 
you have from the time this statement was written 25 days, which is called a grace period. Grace period. (laughs) And at the end of that time, if we don't receive a partial payment, you get penalties. And at the end of that time, uh, if you don't pay off the whole thing, we start charging you interest for everything that's on your card now. Well, that is the way the world works. We understand that. We, you know, we might try to alter it, but basically, who's in charge of the credit card? The credit card company, the group, the group that lent me the money. So since all of my alternatives didn't work with them, I have to realize that when I get it, this is what they say. Uh, this thing that's on your credit card statement, you bought it, you, you, know, you have to pay for it or we charge you interest and uh, especially and penalties after the grace period. So, you know, this comes in. And uh, you take it, you notice your name is on it. Boy, it seems like thicker this time. I don't know what's wrong. And you open it. And you take out the statement. Barb, (laughs) let's sit down and talk, shall we? (laughs) Supposing it's more than you can possibly pay. And so you only pay a little bit. Do you understand that this is really the way that God is dealing with Abraham? God knows every failure of ours just like he knew every one of Abram's. He he knows every oversight, every sin of Abram's life. It's all there. It's all in the statement. God knows it. So it's not that Abram in any way could call himself righteous or God could call him righteous by the way that he lived. So even though it's all there, some things, Abram says, there's probably more there than I remember. I probably didn't record a couple of those charges. Uh, maybe some of them, I, I didn't even know that uh, somebody else charged them. Maybe there was fraud or anything like that. Uh, there are some things I forgot. But they're all recorded. They're all there. So God takes Abram's statement. He's not a bad guy, but he's an imperfect guy. You know, he lies to Pharaoh and he lies to another king to save his skin. Uh, he, he gains an, an heir through another woman than, than his wife. And yet, in spite of all these things, God credits his account in a way so that his sins are paid in full and God declares him righteous. So supposing you got this card and without looking at the figures, you just see oh, how many charges were against you. And then you look at the bottom line and it says... <clears throat> What must be paid for, you know, what is the minimum payment? And it says zero. Oh, cool. And then total charges, total on the account. And that says zero. But you've never paid a cent for this statement. Someone or some entity has come in, written a check, and said it goes to Jim and Barb's account. Someone or some entity 
has done what they call a deposit for me, called in the, in the sort of, what would you call it, the accounting term, has done a credit for me. And now I look at the statement and I have to admit it's all true, but I pay nothing. The credit card statement gives you a grace period. That is grace, comma, period. You see the difference? That is grace, comma, period. Someone has paid for me what I should be paying for myself. Abram realizes there is no way that he could ever declare himself righteous. Only God has the ability to do that. So therefore, Abram continues to be a friend of God and dependent upon God, and we're just the same. Someone has to come in and pay our account in full. He has to pay it, he or she has to pay it, because we are not able to do it ourselves. Now, Abram had his account paid for in time uh, before Christ came to earth and before Christ died on his cross. We have our account paid for because we look back at the cross and we realize that is the symbol that God gives us for grace, comma, period. So we place our trust in this one who died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins and realize that God has laid his grace upon us, period. We are admittedly unrighteous, but like Abram, we are declared righteous. Friends, know this. Your gifts to charities, to the church, to missionaries, to Christian works are not generous enough to be declared righteous by God. Your good works in your home, your community overseas are not good enough to be declared righteous by God. Your promises to live a better life are not consistent enough to be declared righteous by God. Your ways to pay back your mistakes and offenses are, are not, you know, they don't measure up enough to be declared by righteousness, righteous by God. We have to learn from Abraham. And this is what it says. God credited to him as righteous. It's not all that Abram did. And all that Abram did do was believe. Even though, Lord, I do not see it fulfilled, I believe what you have spoken to me. And God has spoken to us in these days in Christ Jesus. There is no other name that has the authority and the power and proved it on earth than Jesus of Nazareth, whom we call God's Son and the Christ, God's anointed one. You learn from Abraham. God has the power and resources to credit your account with him for eternity. And you confess like Abraham, you do not. You believe God and your account is paid in full. And you have received grace, comma, period. You don't believe and you continue to live wondering if your life was good enough. Or maybe you just get distracted and say, I'm going to do other things and try not to think about it. That's called denial. Abram believed and credited by God his account with God as righteous. Paid in full, no debt. And he's God's friend. God's friends, listen to God, pray to God, and believe God. That is the transaction that God really wants to begin with in your life. Will you believe me? Let's pray. Almighty God.
we live in a world that loves alternatives. And we think every alternative is just as good as the other. We get to choose according to our value system. So if we want a red car, we'll get one. Others might like a different color, but it's according to their value system. As your creations, we understand our credit card is held by God. He is the ultimate authority to whom we must account about our lives. If you agree with that, understand the alternatives are very few. And the issue is not, is there a God? What, but will you believe God? And that when he says he sent his son, to be the purification for our sins and that he is sending him back again to take us to be with him. It's nothing that we do. It is simply hearing him and believing. Not that he exists, but that his promises And his purposes for us and for every human being are true. Lord, help the struggler this morning. And help the person whose debt has been paid in full continue to give you glory. Not just in praise and thanksgiving, but also in the way that he and she lives life today and every day. And we ask that in Jesus' name, God's people said, amen.